Good afternoon uh, for those of you on the East Coast and good morning for those of you on the West Coast. Uh, my name is Felix Shipkovich and I am honored to be a co-presenter on today's uh, webinar with my colleague Bianca Petko. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, um, we're living in very unusual times and it's not often that you'll hear someone starting off uh, a webinar by saying what we hope that you are all healthy and safe uh, and are getting through this very difficult time. And we hope that um, uh, this uh, webinar, this educational program will provide you with an easier and better way to get your mind off uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, what we're planning to do today over the next 30 to 40 minutes uh, is provide you with an overview of the subject matter uh, topics and issues discussed uh, on March 10th uh, at the CFPB. Uh, this was uh, a, a, a live broadcasted uh, event uh, that was titled Evolution in Debt Relief Convening. Um, a copy of this webinar will be posted on our law firm's website in uh, the next couple of days. And if you ever want to re-listen, uh, to this program, uh, you more than uh, will be able to do, to do that. Um, one administrative request, uh, we're happy to take questions. Uh, if you could leave your questions until the very end of this program, we should have about 10 to 15 minutes to take your questions and answer them. Um, uh, if we don't get a chance to answer them, uh, our contact information will be provided to you um, on our very last slide. Again, thank you for joining us and let's proceed. So as I mentioned uh, about a minute ago, the event was broadcasted live on March 10th, 2020. Uh, the event originally was supposed to take place in person. Uh, the CFPB was very gracious to offer its offices in Washington, DC, and to the best of my knowledge, they were willing and able to accommodate about 100, uh, maybe 150 participants. Uh, unfortunately, a few days before uh, this event, um, the, as a result of the fast-growing pandemic in our country and the world, uh, the CFPB switched to the live stream format, which was available uh, for everyone to view in live mode and it's still available for you to watch today if you'd like to go back and replay uh, the program. The program itself is over six hours long and so hopefully over the next 30 or 40 minutes we'll be able to provide you with as much information of what was discussed by the panelists uh, at this fantastic event. I would like to give a very big kudos to the CFPB for hosting this uh, event. It was in fact the first debt relief industry event that I can think of uh, since the agency was established. Uh, in the past, the CFPB uh, did a great job on hosting events in the debt collection space. However, it was fantastic and quite educational uh, for uh, the debt relief industry market participants, their attorneys, their accountants, and everyone who's interested in this space uh, to view the live stream and, and, and see the issues that are very pertinent to this industry. Timing of this couldn't be better, right? Um, 
the event was announced in early February, uh, really just a couple of weeks before the CFPB uh, had the live stream. Um, as I already mentioned to you, to it, it was by RSVP only, um, and uh, they were very excited to have market participants attend in person. Um, the timing was almost almost on point because by February 2020, we're very rapidly approaching a one trillion dollar mark in consumer credit card debt. One trillion dollars. That's uh, astonishing. Um, in 2019, we obviously don't have yet the 2020 figures. Uh, I'd be delighted to see if anybody who is listening to this webinar has those figures, but the delinquency rate was a, just a little over two and a half percent. You know, uh, obviously um, uh, today on April 8th, 2020, we could probably imagine that the delinquency credit card rate is in the double digit and is growing at an astronomical rate. So the timing of this event couldn't be better to deal with the very important issues in the consumer debt relief space. Um, a couple of other figures that I think important to point out. By February 2020, with the federal student loan debt reached almost $1.6 trillion. The private student loan debt reached almost $1.120 billion. Uh, also quite uh, significant numbers. And then uh, another figure uh, which is relevant to the time frame of all this is that, uh, you know, at the time or by the time this event was held last month, a third of Americans, working Americans, okay, had medical debt ranging from 500 to $150,000. And that also is a significant number considering that the U.S. spends Three and a half trillion dollars on healthcare. The timing couldn't be worse, right? <laughs> Obviously, it would have been great for many of us who are listening to this webcast to attend this event in person, to meet and greet other individuals in the space, and to actually open a dialogue to the many issues that the debt relief industry um, is experiencing. And when I make reference to the debt relief industry, I'm making reference to a couple of segments. It'd be great to meet individuals from debt selling companies credit counseling companies, bankruptcy lawyers, uh, credit repair. Uh, also would be fantastic to also meet individuals on the credit side and the banking side and lending side. Uh, this really was uh, a fantastic opportunity to get everyone into the same room more or less. And those who couldn't make it would probably make and, and meet and greet in Washington DC during that time. Unfortunately, we were not provided with that privilege because of the COVID-19 pandemic. And as many of you know, and are living through this uh, very difficult time, just two days later, we already had uh, many states uh, and cities announce throughout the country a sheltering place guideline. Um, so we just made it in time. Uh, if this event was held a few days later, it would have been very likely that the CFPB would have to postpone this event until a later date. Um, just a, not a small point on the timing, why it couldn't be worse or better, depending on how you look at it, is that obviously COVID-19 has heavily impacted our consumers, um, our small businesses, and obviously their credit. Um, and as a result, in the past couple of weeks, uh, we have uh, seen uh, discussing with our clients that the creditors are actually a lot more understanding uh, in dealing with debt relief companies um, and uh, prior to the pandemic. Uh, interesting, another note to point out, uh, somewhat 
related to this entire dialogue um, is that the CARES Act uh, had some relief for those who had filed for bankruptcy, particularly Chapter 13 bankruptcy, by allowing individuals to postpone the payments for a specific period of time. Uh, and also there was a slight definition of what, uh, for Chapter 7, what constitutes income um, for the means test purpose calculation. So uh, let's move forward to purpose and scope, right? So the title of the event, and I'll probably refer to the title of the event several times throughout my uh, presentation. The title of the event was Evolutions in Consumer uh, Debt Relief. Um, so the question is when the CAPP proposed this specific title in the agenda, uh, and we'll talk about their agenda in a few minutes, is was the audience for this specific um, program, were they mostly a B2B um, type of audience? Was it meant for businesses to get together and discuss and address and, and put forth the issues that are pertinent to the debt relief industry? Or was this uh, really meant for the consumers? Um, you know, there's, you could kind of look at it both ways. I mean, my take on it is it would be very difficult for most consumers to really understand the, some of the issues discussed uh, some they would, but some they wouldn't, just because the consumers may have had exposure to one of these multiples uh, uh, lines of uh, industry segments, debt relief industry segments. So if they were exposed to credit counseling, they may not have had full understanding or knowledge of what the benefits or, or you know, uh, potential risks of, of being a part of that settlement program or bankruptcy program. Um, so I, I think it was my opinion it was mostly geared towards a b2b type of uh, audience the venue the venue was at the cfpb and i already gave huge kudos at the beginning of my presentation to the cfpb of hosting this in washington um the question that begs uh to be asked is you know should this perhaps be done together with the federal trade commission uh, the federal trade commission is a very important regulator and enforcer of rules uh, and has gone after you know, companies in the debt relief space uh, significantly uh, in the past decade. Um, it would be great to see both of these regulators come together and do a, a joint event. I'm pretty sure that the FTC, members of the FTC staff were watching the live stream or perhaps watch the subsequent uh, airing, the recorded airing of this program. Um, after all, the CFEBs, you know, they targeted consumers and, and you know, debt relief. This was a consumer debt relief focus, uh, but it would have been great to also have this type of program with the FTC in conjunction. Um, the focus of the program, as you see, I have a bullet point that says debt settlement companies. The focus wasn't about debt settlement companies, but um, there was a lot of focus, uh, whether intentional or inadvertent, on the debt settlement companies um, throughout the five panels, which brings me to what these uh, five panels were. Uh, and uh, before I turn it over to my colleague Bianca, let's just kind of go through them uh, very quickly. The first panel was debt relief options to creditors. Um, we've had creditors on the panel. We, then we have third party debt relief offering, debt relief innovation, FinTech discussion, uh, that got um, somewhat heated <laughs> um, in, in the middle of the discussion, how fintech companies are involved in this space, uh, consumer journeys through debt relief, and finally, which I thought was probably uh, one of the better panels I liked, a really intelligent discussion, 
uh, future and debt relief, future of debt relief, emerging opportunities and challenges. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to, uh, actually, before I turn it over to Bianca, I apologize, I have one more slide. Um, the entire program was moderated by the, the um, representative, by the staff of the CFPB. By the way, they asked very, very good, very sharp questions. Uh, they really prepared themselves, and uh, this, um, this was really well uh, put together. The panelists, so you know, there was a pretty diverse group of representatives. The banker, consumer credit, lending side, the credit counseling companies, debt settlement companies, bankruptcy attorneys, fintech companies, and consumer legal services. So uh, this was a very, very diverse uh, group of panel. And now I will turn it over to Bianca. Thank you, Felix. Hi, everyone. I'm Bianca. I hope you're all well, and I reiterate everything Felix said about uh, the coronavirus issues going on right now. Um, so I'm just going to dive in and talk more about the five panels and the key takeaways after that from all of them. The panels were 30 to 40 minutes each. Sometimes they were longer, but the conversation would range from very specific to very broad. So I'm just going to provide a more succinct view of the overall tone, just one slide each for each panel to, to make it easier for you guys. Um, and then the largest points that I saw for each panel. So the first panel was made up of really just trade associations who represent creditors. The main focus of the panel was discussing what creditors wish could change about the industry as a whole and their industries so that they could better serve consumers. So one example of something they would like to see change is term options available for debtors. For example, if you're able to give a longer term option, that would mean less per month, a longer period of time to pay, and something that would inevitably be easier for the debtor to manage, which is something that these creditors seem to want. Uh, additionally, the panel noted that one comment that many creditors make is that they wish there was more communication from their consumers once they default before the consumer decides to go to a debt settlement company. This is where, like Felix was saying before, debt settlement companies came up quite a bit throughout each panel, and you'll see when I touch upon it, how they come up. So uh, they, the panelists said that there are currently many barriers that block an easy flow of communication between the debtor and the creditor. Often, first -time credit, often the first time creditors are notified that a consumer has left and is gonna work with a debt settlement company is when they receive the cease and desist letter. And they said on their end that makes a negative fraught relationship going forward. Um, they also sometimes say that the first time they realize that a, a debtor has left is when they get a new change of address and they have to, the new change of address is a debt settlement company. And they say that that starts them off on a, the wrong foot in a sense. Um, overall, you'll see that this is a common theme throughout. The panelists believe that financial education is vitally important and that this is something that needs to improve. Uh, this discussion of financial education and literacy for consumers and debtors will continue through each panel. Um, basically that consumers need to understand all of the options available to them and the pros and cons of each. Because right now, just a cursory understanding of one or two options is not good enough. Uh, and actually, this is one of the only panels that made an early note on how coronavirus will probably shake up the way creditors do business with their consumers, which Felix touched upon earlier on a slide. So we can move to panel two. Felix, <laughs> thank you. All right, so panel two was about third-party debt relief offerings. 
Uh, here you can see, like I mentioned before, the thread of debtor financial education needing to improve continued massively in this panel. They touched upon how debtors need to know how specific programs will impact them in regard to their taxes, their credit score, how long it will take for them to feel in control again, because often the debtors that they deal with find themselves in a situation where they feel completely out of control. So how do you get someone to feel like they're in control of their situation? Uh, they touched upon how pressure from creditors with tons of mail and calls and voicemails leaves debtors in this stressful state and in desperation. And this can then lead them to make rash decisions when feeling under pressure, which shopping while stressed or under stress was something that they came up, they said a lot, um, and that it's never good to shop under stress. So they're trying to find ways to mitigate that. So one way they said is there needs to be an increase of outside support when unexpected things happen in your life that might put you in debt so you don't spiral. So the next panel is gonna talk about how they see themselves as this white knight that's helping debtors that feel like they're very overwhelmed and stressed. But this panel also agreed that every person that you're dealing with is going through something completely different from another person usually. So you need to take an empathetic approach when dealing with them. Um, also, something interesting was that often debtors will think directly to bankruptcy being their best option when it might not be. So it's imperative for them to have the financial literacy to know what all of their options are before picking a solution. And this is where industry harmony, which is something we'll discuss a little later, would be very helpful. On to the third panel. Hopefully I'm not going too quickly. I'll try to slow down a bit. So the third panel was, as Felix said, very interesting. So it was on debt relief innovation and FinTech. So in regard to debt settlement companies being attacked, quote unquote, this panel was probably the largest culprit of that, I would say. The panel consisted of four fintech companies who see themselves as disruptors to the debt relief industry as a whole, but most specifically to the debt settlement companies. Um, an innocuous question was asked by a moderator as to why each of these companies decide to get into the space. Why debt relief? Why disrupt this industry? And one response focused on how many tech companies when deciding what their ethos will be, look for a villain, someone that they, that they see as doing more harm than good. Uh, the same panels then continued to say, if you have to look for a villain here, the villain is debt settlement companies. So that stuck out quite a bit. Uh, the goal of these companies, they say, is to move debtors away from an environment that doesn't have the debtor's best interest at heart, which you can see that white knight thing that I was talking about before. They want to show that debt settlement companies aren't the only option for people struggling with debt. This white knight tone from the panel on how they're disrupting the industry in an empathetic way um, was basically a thread throughout by each panelist. It wasn't just one or two. Additionally, they received some questions from the CFPB on funding and how they separate what their VCs want as returns when they invest in fintech companies, which I'm sure you guys know is usually they want high returns. Um, so they made it a point to look for social impact investors, they say, ones who understand the nature of this debt relief industry rather than looking for investors who are focused solely on returns. So they tout that most of their investors are these social impact investors. But as I said before, they believe that consumer literacy, financial education is key, but also this understanding that each consumer has a unique life and set of problems 
And you can't just use one formula for each person. It has to be very tailored and empathetic to the person-specific problems. Um, so one example that they gave is often someone with serious debt problems or dealing with other problems that are probably more important or at the forefront of their mind. We can think now with medical debt, I'm sure that might be increasing for some people. And the idea of becoming healthy and being safe is more important to someone than dealing with the debt that's increasing from that. So it's finding a balance between the two and showing that you have that empathy for them and what they're currently going through and that you're here to support them through it. So that was, yeah, we can go to panel four. Actually, before going to panel four, um, let me just add a couple of comments. I, I thought um, the gentleman who made the comments that um, if you have to look for a villain here, the villain is the debt sum company, um, particularly since the forum, uh, you have to keep in mind is the CFPB. Those are pretty strong uh, statements to make. Um, obviously, the forum was to open a, 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 an educated, the forum was provided to, to have an educated and clear discussion about the issues, good and bad issues in the debt settlement space, right? So that at the end of the day, the ultimate beneficiary who can get the benefit uh, of uh, the proper debt relief program uh, that's suitable for that consumer uh, really should be the, the, getting the benefit. To, to come out and say those strong words is, is is uh, quite egregious, uh, in, in my opinion. And um, what we did, Bianca and I, we actually went and we looked at the website of this specific company and Pintai uh, um, company without mentioning names. So we thought that uh, when they have a comparison of their services versus the debt settlement company services, uh, just really we're not representative of the debt settlement industry, uh, particularly since my firm does a quite substantial amount of regulatory and litigation work in the space. and granted that uh, they're both good and bad issues involving debt settlement companies, but um, to make the statement of that sort uh, was just a, going a little beyond what really this forum was about. That, I, that, that was just basically my uh, comment on, on this specific panel. So I'll move on to panel four. Okay. okay. So panel four was about consumer journeys through debt relief. Uh, this panel also really focused on the empathetic approach to debtors. It seems to be a common thread. Two common threads that I will touch upon in key takeaways is this empathetic approach and also the financial education and financial literacy for debtors. So you'll see that continue throughout. Um, here, they, the panelists also discussed marketing for the first time and how often marketing can create more problems for debtors rather than solutions. This also ties into promoting financial literacy and education so that the debtors who are going through this can weed through some of the noise um, in marketing, because we all know some marketing is good and some marketing is bad. Uh, one panelist and probably the only panelist from the, from the entire day, all six hours, decided to actually differ and say that they believe that current debtors are far more financially educated and aware now than they were in the past 10 to 12 years but they do have to do correct due diligence when looking on the internet for help, since the internet is basically where everyone is getting their information on most of these companies and deciding what option to pick. It can be a good and bad thing. So having doing that due diligence as a debtor and having that financial education is most important. Uh, 
The panelists also mentioned that creditors should do a better job at starting their relationship with consumers before they get into very deep trouble and default. This way, they understand that they have that support and a lot of the problems down the line might not actually happen if creditors were to start off their relationship earlier rather than wait for default. The panelists also here would like to see more research on the terms offered by debt relief companies and what debtors actually think that they're receiving when they sign up for these programs versus what they eventually get and what they end up paying upon completion of the program. They said that there, aren't, there isn't that big of an aggregate of data that shows all of this and this journey that um, most debtors go through. So seeing those numbers and seeing the difference between the industry might help create some harmony with, within the industry and might help evolve the industry in a way that would be beneficial to all players. Um, so the fifth panel, the last panel that Felix said was his favorite and I, I have to agree, it was very interesting. The future of debt relief, emerging opportunities and challenges. So here, another buzzword, but keyword that everyone used was transparency from all players, everyone in the industry is critical. Meaning opening the process to debtors so that they can understand what will happen during debt settlement and debt relief, during credit counseling, during any option that you pick, bankruptcy, et cetera. Debtors should understand what they're signing up for in a program and what it actually entails rather than assuming what they think the program will be like. So this includes making disclosures in layman's terms to open up since we understand that financial literacy is quite low or they, we assume it to be quite low, making disclosures in layman's terms would be more helpful. Additionally, there is a lack of standards and consistency within the industry, which makes it harder for debtors to understand what they're receiving. So as I'm sure most of you know, not all debt settlement companies are this operating the same and not all credit counselors operate the same. So how as a debtor do you know what to go for? What is best for you, your personal situation? And the most important next step for the industry is to continue to get creditors, debt settlement companies, credit counselors, bankruptcy attorneys, everyone in the room to actually be open to learning what the others do and working together to improve and evolve the industry together. Uh, everyone agreed that they want consistent reporting back on what each other is doing. And they all agreed that having a six hour panel with five panels like this is very helpful for the community and that they should continue to have these conversations. And this is just the first of many conversations, but everyone seemed very open to continuing this conversation. In this panel, there was quite a bit of back and forth between other panelists and the debt settlement panelists. Um, it could see as attacking on all fronts at some points, but the conversation ended up on a more positive note, like I just mentioned, with this agreement of working together and not labeling each other as villains, which really only happened in the third panel when there were no debt settlement companies represented, I'm pretty sure. Um, okay, so the key takeaways from all of them, all the panels, there are four main key takeaways, which I'm sure you can guess some of them. So to focus on improving debtors' financial literacy and financial education, greater industry transparency between service providers, consumer transparency to review the full extent of debt relief options, what will happen before you enter the program, during the program, and after graduating the program, specific to the program that you are choosing to be in. And lastly, these open lines of communication to promote successful completion of debt programs. So for example, if you go to a bankruptcy attorney and they look at your information and they see that bankruptcy may not be your best option, 
In that instance, a bankruptcy lawyer should know which option within the debt relief industry will suit you better and point you into that direction. So if there's industry harmony, then that would work more seamlessly. So I think that was the ultimate key takeaway and goal is to get more industry harmony to work together to put debtors' best interests first. Thank you, Bianca. Let me also add a few points on the key takeaways. I think one thing that was quite obvious amongst all the five panels and uh, the, the, the panelists respectively is the fact that um, they, know, they, they don't know as much as they should about each other's business. And if they do, it seemed like they knew the negative part of it a lot more than the positive part of it. And ultimately, in any line of industry, if you always look at the negative parts of any given industry and, and not the positive and not to actually say to the consumer, you don't belong in this program, but you might want to consider the other type of uh, debt relief business lines would only benefit the consumers and, and particularly as a result of uh, what's happening today. Uh, but as Bianca said, you know, we have to look at two things, options and completion, right? What is the best option, right? Uh, what, where would consumer be best suited for? If perhaps the person cannot afford to make payments whatsoever, Chapter 7 is probably the best option. If a person is able to make payments and potentially could consider a different, you know, what a credit counseling option uh, or that's an option, maybe that's a lot better than bankruptcy. Um, we have to be mindful that uh, the, the one focus that we have uh, as an industry is to provide that service to a consumer and not to look negatively at the other parts of this industry. Um, that is why, uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, I thought it was quite egregious for, for, for calling debt settlement companies the villains here. Um, and, 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 and that's the type of attitude that wouldn't help debt relief industry as a whole, whether you're doing consumer bankruptcy cases or credit counseling, or whether you're offering loans, consumer loans. You, you need to be able to see how and where the consumer would be best benefit from your program. And ultimately, the completion of the program, not just basically being enrolled. So let's move on. Reading between the lines, uh, where we already said, both Bianca and I said, that the overall, um, quite an overall a negative view of the debt settlement companies, um, which was quite surprising to, to us as counsel for the debt relief industry, because again, that wasn't the agenda and it what somehow turned to be an inadvertent agenda and it shouldn't have been inadvertently part of the agenda. I think there are very good hardline questions that um, the industry could have asked of debt selling companies, but <clears throat> it seemed to me mm, the overall consensus was quite negative. Uh, we are likely to see more regulations come down the pipe. Um, and the reason wasn't because of this specific event, it's because we're living through a historic time. And we're going to have probably, since the Great Depression, the single largest number of individuals seeking debt relief options, right? Um, I think for most of us who are on this uh, program, if we remember the Great Recession, the Great Recession seems like uh, <laughs> a walk in the park. We'll take the Great Recession over what's going to happen, what is happening now uh, to our economies, not just one economy, not multiple, but the entire globe. So um, what, will, what happens usually is since we live, at least speaking about the US, is we are a very reactionary society. We typically promulgate and procure legislation and laws and rules 
as a result of any type of uh, fraud or wrongdoing uh, versus proactive approach. I shouldn't say that's not the case, but usually we look at what problems we have and then we try to fix them. That's what regulators do. You know, uh, we are likely to see more regulation in this space. You know, I, I wish I had a crystal ball. You probably ask me what regulations potentially could come out as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But it's yet to see where we're going to have the most problems, which, which debt relief industry is going to create that, and which debt relief industry is going to come out looking like a hero, with part of the debt relief industry, I should, I should emphasize. Okay? And finally, what's kind of interesting, you know, um, fintech, fintech you know, has been really a word that's been widely used over the past decade. Um, there are two words that really resonate well since two, between 2010 and 2020. It's two words, it's FinTech and disrupt, right? Those two words, like you always think of, you know, young people working in their computers and they're creating new products to, to make things easier, faster and cheaper. And, um, you know, I think that we're, well, many companies in the debt relief space follow the traditional model, and I think, um, you know, they provide good service. We need to be mindful that fintech companies are coming around and, and, and offering the type of services that could be faster, cheaper, and better for consumers. And, and the traditional debt relief companies, in, in the basket of debt relief companies, shouldn't just merely ignore uh, innovation. And, and um, you know, um, I think that is something that uh, we're likely to see uh, be part of a larger discussion. Um, so is industry harmony on the horizon? Again, when I'm talking about industry, I'm talking about the debt relief industry as a whole, right? Hoping, we're all hopeful. We're hoping that we will see, as a result of this event, um, more harmony. And, and uh, certainly, uh, what us as counsel for the many participants in the space and uh, also after speaking to many clients in the space, you know, everybody wants to be on the same page and everybody wants harmony and, 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 and not to have any one part of the industry be the villain. Um, everybody wants to see more data. I thought the reason I thought that the, um, the, the last panel was very interesting, at least to me, uh, was my favorite panel. It's because there were some very intelligent discussions about data uh, and data, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, who enrolls into your program and what is the success rate of their program. And it, it seemed like, at least between the participants, who, by the way, were fantastic. I thought the whole um, four individuals on the panel did a really great job. But it seemed that, you know, the credit counseling industry wanted to see the debt settlement industry. And the debt settlement industry wanted to see what is the success rate of the credit counseling industry's graduation rates. And, and that data wasn't really, it's not like really fully available, easily attainable. Uh, so the question comes down to is how do we use this data, not just for the benefit of your specific sub-segment of the industry, how do we use this data so that consumers make a better and more educated choice and everyone comes out to be a winner, right? Uh, look, uh, the second point that I have here on the slide is we're not going to find harmony if we always make one part of the sub-segment of the space to be a villain. That's not the right approach. And that really wasn't fair to the debt settlement companies uh, who are in this space. A lot of them provide good service, and I don't think we should just ignore that service and make it to be villains, as that individual said uh, during, during his panel. Uh, and obviously, what all panels said, we need to better educate debtors. We need to better educate consumers. They need to have that coherent, clear choice in selecting the right segment uh, of the debt release services that best suits them. 
uh, probably from those of you who are uh, during this webinar, you probably had, you know, individuals who originally were in bankruptcy and then they switched to credit counseling or from credit counseling to debt settlement, vice versa. I, I think education, uh, financial education is what's really critical uh, for the debt relief space. A word of caution, right? Um, you know, look, uh, you know, the, the debt relief industry generally is regulated on the state level, right? Depending on the type of service, except obviously the consumer bankruptcy. Well, arguably that too on, on the bar level. But between credit counseling companies, the lending companies, the lenders that do uh, lend to consumers, uh, they do debt consolidation loans or they do debt uh, loans uh, against the consumer's debt settlement, you know, generally regulated on the state level. Um, and it's reasonable to assume that st state regulators were listening or <laughs> would have listened by now to, uh, to, to this program. Again, this was really the first time the CFPB put together this event. Um, so um, we raised a proposal in the state of California, for instance, to drastically change uh, the regulatory purview of the debt settlement space. Uh, again, just to point out as an example, um, and as such, you know, uh, while these events uh, uh, are fantastic for creating this um, platform uh, for to reach some level of uh, commonality and understanding between the different market participants, we have to be cognizant that um, you know uh, that regulators uh, you know have their own view on on these issues and and uh, you know just be mindful of that and uh, potentially you will making from the CFPB or or the FTC look. Um, I would not have put that bullet point if we were not uh, uh, experiencing what is going on with uh, the, the global pandemic. But as I said a few minutes ago, as a result of this pandemic, uh, we're going to see a major surge of consumer bankruptcy uh, services um, needed of, of this industry, uh, from bankruptcy to credit counseling to, to debt settlement, uh, and some you know, already asking for loans to pay their debt. Um, that means, as I said, as a reactionary uh, society, we typically will, you know, wait for fraud to happen, for some unfortunate event to happen, and then the regulators then propose rules that unfortunately affect everyone else. Um, so to avoid any draconian rules from the regulators, I think it's important to continue the discussion and dialogue that the industry had in March 10th. So little, we're towards the end of our presentation, a little bit about us. Um, you could read it on our website, chipkovich.com. We provide a variety of uh, services in the legal and regulatory space. We provide regulatory and legal services, litigation support. Uh, we have attorneys that are litigators that assist companies in class section defense, regulatory defense. Uh, we deal with the uh, FTC and the CFPB quite regularly. We do licensing. Um, I'm sure you could probably look at it more on our website uh, and we'll be happy to answer any questions about um, after the program. Uh, another important tool, if you still didn't, if you're still listening, please go to debtreliefwatch.com. It'll take you to a sub page of our website, the law firm's website. It's a curated website that contains daily news and information, not just legal, by the way, all news and information uh, that is pertinent to the debt relief industry. So for instance, if you click on debtreliefwatch.com now, you might find articles about credit card debt, uh, delinquency, uh, credit card delinquencies, medical debt. Essentially, we curate the site on a daily basis to see what is uh, kind of a one-stop shop for the debt relief industry to get information on, on news 
And plus, you, you essentially have everything that's relevant to the debt relief space uh, automatically uh, from both the FTC, CFPB, and on the state side. A big, big thank you to someone who has been instrumental in helping us uh, uh, put together this presentation, uh, market this presentation. I've known this gentleman for over seven years, and I highly recommend that if you ever need anyone in the marketing and media services, his name is Jay Mangiello. Um, you see his email on the screen. If you don't have time to write it down now, you can uh, watch it and uh, um, subsequently and contact him. He works with uh, debt relief companies and uh, he does a fantastic job. And thank you. This was great. Thank you, Bianca. Thank you everyone for joining us.